Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Dr. Carl Menninger was an American psychiatrist, and he said of hope that it's a life instinct. In other words, if we keep hoping, then we keep living because it produces life. But when we lose hope, literally on the inside and physically, we begin to die. And that's why today we want to deal again with keeping hope alive. I'm going to give you three practical ways that we can do it because many are facing deep discouragement and they just don't know how to keep hope alive. And when you keep hope alive, it's a powerful, powerful thing in your life. Joyce Meyer once said, we will all battle hopelessness at some point in our lives. All of us will. She went on to say, no matter who we are or what our situation, hope is the one thing we desperately need. She said, the reason is, hope is powerful. I don't know if you realize how important hope is in your life and how powerful it is when you keep hope alive, but it can cause you to overcome the most difficult and the most serious situation. John Maxwell, in speaking about hope, said this. He said, one of the most powerful, energizing words in the English language is the word hope. Hope is a power that keeps us going in the toughest times of life. He again says, it's a power that energizes us with excitement, and anticipation, like that expectation, as we look forward to the future. Where there is no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. So hope energizes us, it keeps us going, but when we have no hope, we can't cope with this current crisis that we're facing. And you know, when you have hope, you can go through the most dire circumstances and you still somehow manage to get through and to see light at the end of the tunnel. I was reading the story of a young girl, just 14 years old, uh, Elizabeth Schoff, and she was on her way home from school, got off the school bus and took a little walk to her home. And on the way, she bumped into a man who was dressed in battle fatigues and he, he presented himself as a policeman and uh, he won her confidence and managed to put handcuffs on her. And then he led her into the woods for about an hour where he then brought her to a deep pit in the ground that he had dug some four and a half meters into the ground. He had a whole room down there and he put her in chains and he kept her in this room for 10 days. And for 10 days, he raped her sometimes up to five times a day, just 14 years old. But she kept hope alive and that hope has helped her in her life. And what she did was she won his confidence. Eventually, he let her out to drink water. And on the 10th day, she asked him for his phone. She said, can I play some games on the phone? And while she's playing games on the phone, he fell asleep in front of her. She's in chains, but she hopes that she can get through to someone. She sent messages to her family, told her mother, I'm in the ground, I'm in the woods, and uh, I can hear cars nearby. And so her mother called the police. And this man, uh, uh, Vincent Filior, he was a registered sex offender. The police were looking for him, had already raped another 12-year-old girl. And uh, they, they tracked the cell phone to the location, 
And when all the vehicles were starting to come, he upped and ran away and they rescued her from that hole and she survived. And, uh, and today she's 28 years old. They actually went after the, the predator, arrested him, and he ended up getting sentenced to 421 years in prison. But when they spoke to her, and you know, she's 28 years old now, and she talks a lot about what she went through. She's a dental assistant. She's been on television. And she says this. She says, it was hope that kept me from falling apart underground. She went on to say, you can be a survivor just like I am. It simply takes faith. Now, faith and hope are very similar. She says it takes talking to someone and encouragement that it's not the end of the world. In other words, you don't believe this is the end of your life, this is the end of the world. You believe you can get through. And that made a movie in 2018 uh, about her life called Girl in the Bunker. You can see what keeping hope alive can do for you. Hope is incredibly powerful and we must keep hope alive. You know, during the Cold War in Czechoslovakia, Vaclav Havel the first president of the Free Republic of Czechoslovakia, he really had to keep hope alive because half his day he spent in jail and the other half he worked in a state brewery. And uh, during that time, he was the poet of hope for Czechoslovakia. Wrote poems, he was an inspiration, and finally when the wall came down, uh, he became the first president. And when they spoke to him about how he managed to keep going through all those very difficult years, he said, I'm not an optimist. No, I'm not just positive. He says, I'm a person of hope. I cannot imagine that I would strive for anything if I did not carry hope in me. You see, great men, even people who have a great destiny always live with hope. And if you want your life to amount to something, you want to become very successful. If you believe you've got a future, you've got to have hope. And all those who've survived have had hope. Think of the Jews, how the Jews have survived. It's because they have hope. And uh, the late Jewish philosopher, Emil uh, Fackenheim, he said this, he said, how come Jews are still around? After thousands of years, most of them in exile, he asked the question, often persecuted and sometimes all but annihilated. He says, there's only one answer and that answer is hope. Now, church, today, we must keep hope alive. And before I get to the points, I wanna say this to you. If the devil can destroy your hope, you know what he does? He will get you into discouragement. And when you're in discouragement, you become extremely vulnerable to your life being completely destroyed. And we must not think that we can just come out of COVID and come out of lockdown and go, oh, well, you know, I'll be in a better state of mind. The habit patterns that are formed under COVID and the discouragement in your life can set in. And sometimes when you're discouraged, I've experienced that, it's very hard to shake it off. We have to fight discouragement and we have to keep hope alive. Uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks, he was one of the great uh, Bible teachers in, in America and did a whole series of, of teachings on how to communicate, one of my favorite, favorite communicators. He said this, he said, discouragement is the anesthetic the devil uses on a person just before he reaches in and carves out his heart. We have to keep hope alive because once we become discouraged, we lose heart and we lose hope and then the enemy can ravage our lives. Let me give you three practical ways, three practical things you can do today in order to keep hope alive. Number one, the first important thing we need to do is guard your spirit from contamination. Guard your inner life from contamination. 
Ray Johnston wrote a book called The Hope Quotient. And in the book he says, the law of exposure says that events you attend, the materials you read and the music you hear, the images you watch and the daydreams you engage in are shaping your mind and ultimately shaping your actions, character and destiny. The law of exposure, what are you exposed to? And what you expose yourself to if you don't guard your spirit you will end up in a place of hopelessness. I don't know if you realize it today, but our spirits were created to hope. The place that hope comes from is deep in your spirit. That's why you have to guard your spirit. And, and it's just the same way that our hearts were created to love and our brains were created to think and our hands were created to make things. The spirit is the place that was created to hope, and so we have to guard our spirits, and we've got to make sure we don't get contaminated with negativity, with all the wrong kind of influences, where we are exposed to things that make us hopeless, the opinions of people, the, 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 the things that are happening around us. You have to guard your spirit, or anxiety will creep in, and you will be overpowered. So take good care of your inner life, because otherwise you will be contaminated with anxiety. And I think sometimes we have to retrain our spirits and retrain our minds. John Maxwell says this, he says, if you've been a negative thinker whose motivation has been rarely fueled by hope, then you must make a determination every day to try to renew your hope, change your thinking for the better, and believe that good things can and will happen to you. Doing these things can literally change your life. So our thinking, our attitudes, our minds, and our spirits need to be carefully guarded. Jesus himself, speaking about the end times, and I believe we're pretty much in the throes of the end times. It's as though the, the heartbeat of the end times is increasing, and, and you can feel the tension. You can see the signs that Jesus spoke of. And in Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, he says this, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Do you know the anxieties of life can weigh your heart down? And so you've got to guard your spirit from the contamination of anxieties and all sorts of negativity, otherwise you will be weighed down. Thomas Brooks, in speaking about a Christian's hope, said this, he said, the Christian will part with anything rather than his hope. He knows that hope will keep his heart both from aching and breaking, from fainting and sinking. He knows that hope is a, is a beam of God, a spark of glory, and that nothing shall extinguish it till the soul be filled with glory. We've got to be very careful that we hold on to our hope because it's a spark of glory that God's put in us and it gives life to us. It's powerful and we've got to be careful of contamination. Now, if you've become contaminated and you're filled with negativity and anxiety, what's the answer? Well, the answer is to get it out into, into prayer and to say, God, here you go, take this. Would you deal with this? Would you help me? And we bring all our anxieties to him and we pray about all the things that are weighing us down and then we begin to give thanks. And as you do that, you find life and hope flow back into your life. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter four, and it's a very, very well-known passage of scripture, but it's relevant for the crisis that we're in right now. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, about anything, 
but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Now notice this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your mind is guarded when you get out anxieties and you bring them in prayer to the Lord and then you receive the peace of God and you thank God for all the good things that are coming your way. You know, you can only thank God when you have hope. When you think about the good things that God has done in your life and what he can still do, you let hope rise and you start to give thanks. You burden yourself from the anxieties and in that way you guard your mind from the contamination of negativity. Lewis B. Speeds wrote a very good book called Keeping Hope Alive. And I read it some time ago, and he speaks about how important it is to be around people that are filled with hope and also the role that Christians play in giving hope to others. You know, we've, we've got to remember that we are hope bringers, and uh, we are hope bringers even in our own families. And he says in the book, the best gift parents can give a dispirited and despairing child is to give him clear signals that they hope for him. He then says the best thing a friend can do for a despairing friend is to be her vicarious hoper. The best therapy begins when a client who has lost hope in himself is convinced that his therapist has hope for him. The best church we can belong to is one that not only preaches hope for the world, but demonstrates to us that it has hope for us. You know, we are the light of the world, we are the hope of the world, and we need to be around people who can build our hope, otherwise our minds will be contaminated. All we'll think about is reality and the, the, the troubles we're facing, and hope will die, and our spirits will die. I want to remind you that the church is the hope of the world. And uh, Andy Stanley, the pastor from Atlanta, said this. He said, Jesus is the hope of the world, and the local church is the vehicle of expressing that hope to the world. So guard your spirit, stay encouraged, stay full of faith, and then you'll be able to share hope with others and you'll have an uncontaminated mind. Number two, the second way that we can keep hope alive is keep hope alive by keeping faith alive. You see, people don't realize the difference between hope and faith. They both intimately connected. And faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God, and then as a result of hearing the word of God and knowing who God is, we trust him fully, then we hope and expect from God because we've got to know who he is. John Piper is a well-known preacher from Minnesota, often referred to on the internet, and he said, hope is a portion or part of faith. Faith and hope, in my mind, he says, are overlapping realities. Hope is faith in the future tense, so most of faith is hope. I'll explain it in a moment when we go to the scriptures. Thomas Aquinas says, faith has to do with things that are not seen and hope with things that are not at hand. So we believe what God has said, but then hope expects from this God who we trust the things that he has said he would give. In order to keep hope alive, you first got to believe in the goodness of God 
and the promises of God. And when you do, that's when hope begins to resurge in your life. Too many people think that hope is something that's just an emotion, you know, look on the bright side, be positive, you know, think positive thoughts. No, no, no. Hope comes from faith. And faith is based on the character and the promises of God. Let me remind you of the famous verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse uh, one. And it says, to have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, to be certain of the things we cannot see. So faith knows who God is, and so faith is sure that this God is good, and then hope says, because this God is good and I fully trust him, I fully now expect that good stuff and those promises to come into my life. The psalmist describes hope in a way that, that we need to understand today. In Psalm 145 and verse 15, he says, the eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and the thirst of every living thing. So hope is expecting from this God good things because your faith is fully trusting in him, in his character and his promises. I hope you get that. Faith trusts God. Hope expects from the God I now trust because I've got to know him. And so faith and hope work together. If you're gonna have strong hope, you first need strong faith. Otherwise, all you've got is optimism. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says, remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. In other words, from your word, I've got hope. I've read about who you are and what you've said and what you've promised, and I have hope. Then he goes on to say, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. In other words, because of what I've read about you in your word, I've got hope from that because I understand who you are and I'm holding on to that. And because I'm holding on to that, no matter what's happening around me, I trust that you will do for me what I need in my life. I hope this is encouraging you because as we trust in the character of God and the promises of God, then we have hope because we expect from this person we know we're not just being positive thinkers, which in itself is not a bad thing, but we are much more than positive thinkers. We are hopeful in the God we serve and the God we know. That's why the Bible has been written, because that we might read it and we might have hope. Let me remind you from Romans chapter 15, it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So we read the Bible, we see what it says about God, how he dealt with his people, what he did for people, how he gave victory and caused people to overcome, and we get hope from that. It's faith and hope combined. R.C. Sproul was a great preacher and author, and he said, hope is called the anchor of the soul. Hebrews chapter six and verse 19. Because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. And then he says, I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches onto the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. So it's not just wishing and being optimistic. It's knowing for certain. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We now, because of what we believe, expect from God because he's made us some promises and we can go to the bank 
on those promises. Let me explain it to you like this. Many, many years ago, there was a man called Eugene Lang. He was a philanthropist, he was a millionaire, and when he was just 15 years old, he was given a scholarship to go to school and to study. As a result of that, it changed his life. He was extremely successful, became extremely wealthy, and uh, he decided to give himself to education and to use his wealth to uplift young people. One day he was invited to speak at a school to, uh, I think it's 59 uh, people in grade six, and as he got up to speak, he felt so helpless because he said he looked out, he was in Harlem, uh, the black area in New York, and he was speaking to mostly black children and Puerto Ricans, and he realized most of these kids won't stay in school because of the crime and the, the circumstances of their upbringing, and he felt quite helpless, and so he decided he would put his speech aside. He said, he's just gonna speak from the heart. And so he, he said to them, as he got up and spoke, he said, stay in school. And then he went on to say this to them, uh, after that, he said, and I'll help you pay the college tuition for every one of you. In other words, when you go into high school, I'll pay for that. And the students suddenly got hope because this man was making a promise. You see, they put their faith in what he said because here was this person who had the resources and he was making a promise faith in him and then hope, expecting that it would come. And uh, one of the students said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. And they say in that class particularly, 90% of those children finished high school because he made a promise, they believed the promise, and then they hoped and believed that they would get through school and it would be paid for by him. He gave $150 million, and as a result of that, 16,000 students were educated in his lifetime. Can you see how powerful the promises of God are? Here people held onto the promises of a man, but we need to hold onto the promises of God. We need to put faith in God, in his word, and in his promises, and then we need to stand expecting him to open his hand and give us the good things that he has promised. The psalmist says here, and it's a good reminder for us in Psalm 62, he says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. In other words, my, my hope's not just an emotion. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You see, we put our hope in a person. It's not just an emotion. We don't just think positive thoughts. We build our faith, and when we build our faith, we build our hope. Many of you would remember the great hymns of the past because you're old enough to remember and having sung some of them in church. And one of the great hymns is called The Solid Rock. And I want to remind you of one of the verses that the hymn writer mentions here. He says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I'm not trusting in anything. I'm not trusting in circumstances, the economy, people, my own emotions. No, my hope is built on nothing less than the person of Jesus. That's where real faith comes from. You know, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs wrote a book called The Dignity of Difference, and he describes the difference between faith and hope. And he says, one of the most important distinctions I've learned in the course of reflection on Jewish history is the difference between optimism and hope. 
Optimism is the belief that things will get better. Look on the bright side. But hope is the faith that together we can make things better. Optimism is a passive virtue. Hope is an active one. It takes no courage to be an optimist, but it takes a great deal of courage to have hope. So build your faith, and when you build your faith, you will be building your hope. The third thing today, as we move to a close, go against the grain of physical evidence. Go against what you see physically around you that te that's telling you it's hopeless. As you watch the news, as you face challenges, as you face loss, even death around you, don't look at that. Look past that and go against the grain of physical evidence in your life. You know, the story is told of the great fire of Chicago in 1871, and uh, everything was destroyed. 300 people lost their lives. Five square kilometers of the city was burnt down in a very short space of time, and 100,000 people were left homeless. But a man got up the next morning and went to his shop, and it was completely burnt down. And uh, he set up a table outside the shop, and he wrote a handwritten sign, which he put on the table, and this is what it said. Everything lost except wife, children, and hope. Business will be resumed as usual tomorrow morning. You see, where did his hope come from? It didn't come from the physical evidence and the circumstances around him. It didn't come from perfect timing to open up a business when everyone else was closed. It didn't come from the victims of the fire who themselves were devastated. No, it came from within him. He had hope and a confidence that tomorrow would be better, so he didn't look at the physical evidence. You know, when everyone else is looking at the physical evidence and being negative and being hopeless, we've got to look at God's word and we've got to continue to believe in God and we continue to hope and expect from him good things. The famous poet William Arthur Ward said this. He said we need to do what other people don't do. Believe while others are doubting. Plan while others are playing. Study while others are sleeping. Decide while others are delaying. Prepare while others are daydreaming. Begin while others are procrastinating. Work while others are wishing. Save while others are wasting. Listen while others are talking. Smile while others are frowning. Commend while others are criticizing. Persist while others are quitting. In other words, do what goes against the grain. Despite what everybody's doing around you, what the physical evidence is saying, you go against that because your hope is in the eternal one, in God, and you're expecting from him great things in your life. Many of you would remember the story of Abraham and how Abraham in the book of Genesis is promised by God that he will have a son and that he will be the father of many nations. Well, the Bible says that time passes and him and his wife wait and they wait and they wait and years and years and years go by and he begins to look at his body, the physical evidence, and he begins to look at his wife's physical evidence and he begins to start thinking, hang on a minute, this is not possible. But then he remembers, no, God has promised and God has confirmed his promise to me. 
that I will be a father of many nations. And the book of Romans recounts how Abraham dealt with this circumstances he was facing, the physical reality, and how he went against the grain of physical evidence. And it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18 of Abraham, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. God had made a promise. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So he looked at the physical evidence. Since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He was old, she was old. And then it says in verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. He gave glory to God. Can you see thanksgiving? Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham looked at the physical evidence, but he trusted in the promise of God and he went against the grain. We have to do that every single day. We have to trust God and we have to live in hope. Even though we can't see physically what we're hoping for, it's the substance of things not seen. Uh, we've got to continue. And Paul describes that in Romans. He, he reminds us in Romans chapter eight. He says, for in this hope we were saved. So we can't see our salvation, but we believe it. And he says, now hope that he's seen is not hope. So if you can see it physically, well, then it's not hope because there's the evidence. But we're looking at the physical evidence and we're going against the grain and we're trusting God. He goes on, he says, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You know, hope is not always clear cut, but it looks at the physical evidence and it says, despite that, I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna expect good from his hand. There's a good book that you can read by Lee Strobel called The Case for Hope. And in this climate, it'd be very encouraging. And he says in the book, he says, actually, if we had 100% of the answers to 100% of our questions, there wouldn't be any room for faith at all. And hope is only hope when there's still some measure of the unknown that lies ahead of us. You see, there's that, there's that uncertainty. The physical evidence is overwhelming, but we need to cling to God's word and we need to believe in the unseen, the unseen God who will bring physical blessing and will help us in our time of difficulty. Many years ago now, John Maxwell's very first book was called Think on These Things. And in the book, I remember reading it, there is a whole section on hope. And I wanna share with you what he says today from that book. He says, hope shines brightest when the hour is darkest. In other words, when the circumstances and the physical evidence is really bad. He says, hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens when the bitterness bites. Hope sings when all melodies are gone. Hope believes when the evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for answers when no one is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. Hope endures hardship when no one is caring. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses towards victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. 
You see, hope goes against the grain of physical evidence. And he says here, when evidence is eliminated, that's when hope shines. We need to be people that keep hope alive no matter what the physical evidence is, no matter what the reports are on the news, no matter how the strap line tells us how many people have passed away, no matter how many people close to us are dying, we have to keep hope alive because we believe we serve a God who is good and does good. As I come to a close, let me tell you an interesting story. Just recently, two young girls, Carolyn and Leah, from Northern California, got lost in the woods just near their home. It was kind of snowy weather, and they decided to go for a walk, but they got lost. And when darkness fell, there they were huddled under a tree together, drinking water from the leaves. They were lost for a total of 44 hours. Some 170 uh, personnel from law enforcement were sent out, two helicopters and some canine units, and people were desperately looking for them. And when they found them, they said it was actually a miracle because of the cold weather that they were actually found. They interviewed the two little girls and they asked them, how did you cope? And they said this, they said, we kept thinking about our family and we thought happy thoughts, but we had faith that our daddy would come and rescue us. They had faith that their daddy would come and rescue them. You know, when we face difficult circumstances, we too need to have faith that God will mobilize all the resources that are needed and come and save us. He has promised that he would do that and we need to believe that he will because our God doesn't make promises and then let us down. Augustine said this, he said, God is not a deceiver that he should offer to support us and then when we lean upon him, should slip away from us. You see, we can fully depend on God. We need to put our hope in him and we need to have faith in the God that we serve, that he will mobilize and that he will come and he will rescue us. He has saved us if we are believers, but now we can expect things from his hand, good things from his hand. Before I pray, I want to read you just one of the verses from that well-known hymn by John Newton, Amazing Grace. And this is what the hymn writer says. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. I don't know if you can see it today, but we have hope not just for this life of the good things God can give, but when our bodies and our hearts fail, we have hope for the life to come. I hope that you will build your life and that you will build your faith. Don't allow your mind to be contaminated. Don't allow your faith to wane. Build your faith so that hope can arise. And when you look at the physical evidence around you, don't be phased. Go against the grain, trusting God's word and the goodness of of God. I'm going to pray now, but I want to especially pray for people who don't know the Lord, who have no hope. Can I remind you? Optimism is not enough. Looking on the bright side is not enough. That is just an emotion. That's just something passive. But when you have hope and expectation from the hand of God, that's another matter altogether. And Christians, because they know who God is and what God has promised, have a have a wonderful and living hope, the Bible says, of an expectation of good and of eternal life. If you don't know the Lord today, you don't have that hope in your heart, you can have it 
by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. He came, he lived, he taught, but most of all, died for our sins. And because he died for our sins, we are forgiven and we can receive the gift of eternal life if we receive him. Do you have that confidence today? I believe in Jesus, I have him as savior, and I'm hoping that when I die, I have eternal life. Your good works can't earn it. Nothing you do can earn it, and you don't deserve it. But by putting your hope in him today, by praying a simple prayer, and then beginning a journey with him, you can discover what it means to have faith and hope. Why don't you put your faith in him today? Let me lead you in prayer as we close. Father, we come to you today, and we bring our lives to you today. We put our faith in what Jesus has done. We receive his life and his death as the sacrifice for our sins. And today we put our trust in him and everything that he has promised. Lord, save me today. Make me a child of God. Give me a living hope so that I can rise above circumstances and trust you for my life and for my eternity. I give you my life today and I thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.